Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Cece. And this is Claire. And for our letter to the podcaster edition on November 22nd, 2020, we have a special guest with us today. His name is Samson. He is the proprietor of Meta Learning. And he is a super awesome person who is here to talk about a very nuanced view of politics and education as well. Um, Samson, would you like to introduce yourself more? Hello, everyone. Um, It's very strange to... uh, uh, Well, it's going to be strange to listen to my uh, voice later on. Uh, I talked to some people about whether they listen to themselves after sort of a media appearance, whether it's from a podcast or interview. And I know a good number of people say, no, I don't look at them. And I'm like, oh, hmm. That's a weird way of looking at things, especially if you plan not necessarily to have a media career, but you become more of a public figure. Yeah. Um, do I plan to be? We'll see. <laughs> that happens to us too. After I think when we started the first our our podcast, our first episode, I had a lot of trouble listening to myself. Me too. And my mom just forced me by playing it during dinner time, and she would not turn off the podcast, and she played the episode. On and on. And I mean, after a while, it does get better. Yeah, but we also have to edit our own audio, so we do have to listen to it like over and over again. So we have experience in that. Um, as in, for more relevant information about my background, as you mentioned, yes, uh, I uh, run my own educational service, uh, my own practice. Uh, I am a tutor, uh, mentor, and coach. So it's sort of a blend of let's say, a consultant and a tutor. Uh, I don't see these things as separate, but um, one and the same. I mean, if you look at sort of like coaches in sports, uh, not specialized coaches, like a a first base coach, that's quite specialized, but more of like the head coach. You got to know the whole picture, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can't really manage the team. Um, Education, uh, it should be viewed the same way. Perfect. Um, Before we get started into more of your, uh, I'd say, your more political educational views, we'd love to know more about your background as to what got you to education and, um, I guess, politics as well. Yeah, so I grew up uh, a native of San Francisco, and so I grew up with city politics and names such as Willie Brown. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you two have heard of Willie Brown, but he's quite an influential uh, figure in both city and state politics. Um, How I got hooked on to politics is quite a strange story. Um, If you remember Lewis, he mentioned... Uh, when he was growing up, we both went to the same high school low. Uh, I also listened to uh, talk shows like KGO. Mm-hmm. Even I remember certain uh, hosts like uh, Dr. Bill Waltenberg. Um, for him, and the one I just mentioned, he's more of a conservative, but there were also liberal hosts as well. So it, I found it fascinating to get sort of very different interpretations of different topics. And mm-hmm. that got me hooked on. Mm-hmm. Next was more well, watching the, the news and reading newspapers, uh, whether that's the Examiner or the Chronicle. Um, 
later on, starting high school, I got a bit more involved besides being informed, which was to start to uh, volunteer for political campaigns. It really took off when I was in college. So this one is an odd one because mm -hmm. I got into the policy side as well. Um, I double majored, uh, one in political science and the other in international economics. Uh, so, of course, I have research experience in uh, political science and government. Took many wide-ranging courses, whether you're talking about the politics of California class at UC San Diego. And then for my internships, I've worked at various uh, special interest groups, particularly those of the Chamber of Commerce down in San Diego and the Taxpayers Association. And I also still you know, volunteered here and there for mm -hmm. local political campaigns. So that's sort of my background. In terms, I guess, in a theme, I, I worked for both Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives. So across the whole political spectrum. And therefore I got, I guess, a more complete picture of mm -hmm. the dynamics of what makes American politics, American politics. And that's how I hope to discuss some of the issues today from a more complete picture, less ideological and more strategy based. And I think that's really what's missing from a lot of discussion, whether you see it on social media like Reddit mm -hmm. or on mainstream news where you, in with like MSNBC or Fox News and the newer ones like Newsmats where it's just punditry. Blah, 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 blah. Garbage, garbage, garbage. <laughs> Because it's not really, it's not really saying su anything substantive. Yeah, it's just like talking about what happened and really, okay, you don't dive deeper into what's happening or how it affects everyone, right? Uh, I don't even think it's like that. I don't think it's even talking about what's happening. Because like, if you listen carefully, are they really talking about what actually happened or now the term fake news, right? So we can't even, we can't even agree on facts, right? Yeah, it's also like people's different interpretations of the facts, right? Because you have Fox News reporting basically the same event as, I guess, like a more left-wing type of like news broadcasting, but what they come up with is very different, right? You see different perspectives, and I guess this is kind of why we're so polarized. Well, yeah, so I want to talk about this polarization later. I want to leave it for now, but okay. on the point you just mentioned, sometimes it's more accurate to see yourself, let's say you're part of the progressive wing, Sometimes it's more accurate to see yourself from the other side. So to see how people like uh, Sean Hannity and Ben Shapiro talk about your own movement. I see. Right? And instead of just staying within your own echo chamber. Right. So you can't really see your own flaws if you like all agree. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You can't have that. Uh, that reminds me of. Uh, uh, a movie I watched, World War Z. No, the zombie oh, movie. Oh, yeah. The Brad Pitt. The Brad Pitt. It's been a while. Uh, this came out. <laughs> it's, it's it's not really that realistic because of sort of the political dynamics. You know, the UN is involved and other things like that. But oh if wait, you, uh, sorry. Oh. I think I remember it. There was a when the pandemic started. Yes, speaking of pandemic. <laughs> when the pandemic the, the started. The zombie yeah, pandemic. Yeah, my mom, um, there was a some sort of documentary that highlighted like what 
yes. kind of they showed versus like also other movies as well. Like oh, right. Whatever you show me. Yeah, because it was based off a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did into sort of how different governments operate, right? You're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. culture, and this is really what I want to talk about. Not necessarily like the culture you know, but more mm-hmm. like a deeper dive into culture, sort of not the surface, whereas like you see the culture wars is like in terms of, oh, are you uh, religious or are you atheist? No, mm-hmm. we're actually uh-huh. going beyond that. So they were focusing on different governments and what runs their uh, behavioral dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. The one that really brought like, wow, uh, sort of... Um, made me think more about it was the Israeli government. So in this fictional world, Mm -hmm. uh, Israeli government, the the way they made the decisions was you cannot have unanimous um, uh, in a committee, right? I forgot which one. There was Uh was the highest governing committee, especially in terms of uh, national security and defense. So... They understood that a lot of military disasters was because everyone groupthink, right? There wasn't one person to say, playing devil's advocate, like, hey, being critical, annoying mm-hmm. bud, but really, you know, trying to track whatever plan they were, you know, that they were creating uh-huh. or fail safe and to, you know, actually find the flaws. So it was, it was the duty of this committee, one committee member, to persuade all the others to change. So whatever the action, it was even if that person didn't believe it, it mm-hmm. is the sacred duty of that person to make sure to say, like, hey guys, have you considered this? I don't think this is the best way to really, you know, pursue this action. Uh-huh. And oh, I found that very that's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. I've actually never thought of it that way. We just um well, you all will listen to it <laughs> later and hopefully um, you did listen to already, but our headline news talked about groupthink um, within the case of in Netherlands they have a new trend of pedo hunter pedo hunters I don't know how to say it, but it's these like, vigilante yeah. um, mm. criminals who like within their own community will so not sanctioned by the state yeah not sanctioned by the state but um, they kind of just like go around trying to lure these people out and trying to. Expose like expose them, them as pedophilia. pedophilia. Yeah. And within our own mock trial team too, our own case is about groupthink. That's and one aspect of prosecution. Yeah, but in this like case, that. it's more online groupthink. So if you're encased in your own bubble, right, and they were within a group chat where they were just echoing each other's opinions. In this case, it was about finding a, um, information about aliens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought we were but talking yeah, yeah. about Two different. This is our mock trial case. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't know that we were related. (laughs) Are we going that deep into conspiracy theory? I was like, okay. It was like an actual news. Okay. The aliens is our fictional mock trial case. Okay. Where we are actually arguing the same thing. Like there was groupthink, which well, I'm this person that was punched in the face. (laughs) I play a character who's a government official, and I have documents about aliens and whatever. And this other dude, or this girl, was what my side is trying to argue is that due to groupthink, this girl was forced to come into my 
home, punch me in the face, and steal my stuff. Not really forced. Not it's forced, like but influenced. influenced. Right? Because and her right? side is to argue that's not true, that this girl did it all on her own. So, sorry, yeah, I don't, <laughs> that yeah. was just... But how does that relate to groupthink, though? Um, so what because, are the dynamics behind it? Because that girl was part of a group led by this one person who's a famous influencer that makes YouTube videos about how the government needs to come clean about their aliens or extraterrestrial. Like so it's a reflection of current creatures. day trends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so just transparency in general. Yeah, I things think. like the power dynamic between um, the leader of the group and the um, like the members, and it goes on to um, and one of the witnesses is an expert who's in groupthink or witness and make a fake witness and they mention so it's a, a expert witness yeah expert yeah. witness and they make an example of a group of scientists nasa scientists who um were trying to build this spaceship but there was an issue but nobody wanted to speak up dude for this plan and eventually the spaceship failed and they all died it was a challenge. oh you'd be so surprised how, how what you just described how often it happens in real life at that level too yeah, and the, it was to show that groupthink doesn't just affect regular people, right? It affects people who you think are super logical, um, highly educated, right? All these politicians. Oh, just are... one of, yeah. Speaking of highly educated, um, I don't mean this to be an insult, but I think the current, the two thousand sixteen and twenty twenty elections, mm-hmm. sort of revealed the stupidity of the educated classes would you like to dive more in depth into that uh, it, again it relates to sort of this echo chamber staying with uh, staying in your own sort of demographic groups right mm-hmm. and not understanding the other side and why they behave or vote the way they do mm-hmm. so a lot of people Especially you're talking about, you see this on channels like CNN and MSNBC, the pundits and these journalists that come from, you know, elite uh, universities across the the country. Mm -hmm. And when they interview them, a lot of the sort of candid uh, uh, interviews of views expressed by ordinary Americans, it really surprises. Like, what, what, I I, I don't get it. Why would you vote for him, right? Um, There are like recent ones like the, was it which channel was this? It was either MSNBC or CNN that uh, interviewed um, three a- African American ladies in Georgia mm-hmm. uh, ar- around my age, so millennials, and why they're not fully behind Biden. And this was before the election took place. Oh yeah. And it it stunned her because she she didn't understand how could us millennials have that sort of view the host the host it's done the host yes so there's there's a lack of understanding right Mm -hmm. and this actually relates to how the school system is uh, why people cannot develop that sort of empathy Mm -hmm. right i think so just as a side point i think schools need to develop this superpower called empathy i think it's very powerful skill and it's sorely neglected uh, in the in the American edu- uh, education system today. But uh, I digress. <laughs> so they don't understand how union workers, um, plumbers, traders, 
carpenters, the working classes, mm -hmm. why they would consider voting for Trump, right? They, they simply can't understand. But they didn't live through sort of the decline of the manufacturing sector in the United States, right? And you're talking about these Rust Belt states, the ones right. that are still hotly, well, supposedly hotly contested, right? Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, right? That's because the manufacturing sector has been gutted in the United States. Uh, we can talk about policies-wise, maybe why that's the case, but this is the reality, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't live, live in those towns, and those same towns and cities with, you know, the meth epidemic, so we have another one yeah, raging yeah. on, yeah. that has destroyed these communities and made life very bleak for them. And they wanted someone, a populist, to speak their language. And Trump fitted that mold. I see. Right? Mm -hmm. So Trump, as a figure, fitted, you know, offered them a sort of hope, right? I see. I mean, we here live in the Bay Area. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very different type it's, of situation. It's, it's, it's totally different, all right? We live in, in a region in which... It, Every city, even tiny city, is a headquarter to a major tech giant, right? Mm -hmm. So whether you're ranging from like Square, Twitter, uh, new ones like Palantir, uh, Netflix, like if I just extended the radius around us by like 10 miles, how many headquarters are in that 10 mile radius? Many. <laughs> exactly. So we live in a very... In a privilege oh. and privilege and bubbled uh privilege bubble yeah and therefore that's why it's very difficult for uh it, the educated individuals to understand what they're going through and why they would do uh vote in certain ways i mean i think it's i feel like for me it's very confusing sometimes to wrap my head around the um, like the connection and the relationship between the media and the people because you state that like the media don't understand what ha some most of the media have trouble understanding what like people right why they vote why they behave but at the same time the media does have power over what how we behave like what I'm if you could expand a little of like this sort of cycle that oh. goes on. It's a complicated cycle now that the media landscape has changed, right? Mm -hmm. For as example, we have social media as mm -hmm. part of, of that dynamic. Yeah, not just like news, cable news. Right, and then you have like an offshoot of like, so the conservative media, of course you have the uh, radio talk hosts, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that's been a mainstay for a long time. Right, yeah. Fox News has been there for a long time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But then you have relatively newer ones like Newsmax. I'm not sure you heard of them. Um, I think I've heard it a few times, but it's like pops up here and there. Yeah, but if you are, I guess, a more you self-identify as a more of a hardcore conservative, you definitely know them, right? Mm -hmm. So y you have new players in the game. Of course, you have other ones like you, uh, the various channels on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. So this creates a lot of new players and new dynamics to fill in certain niches, right? And what this does is like, any view you have, you have 
a community that you can easily find, right? right exactly. That that match your view, right? This was expressed. This idea expressed in the Netflix documentary um, "Social Dilemma," right? And they talk in length and also using create their creative flair <laughs> of how this could, you know, polarize our views toward others, even our own neighbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, social media recommends new content for you pretty much every time you scroll. Every time you click on a new video, they find something else to recommend to you. And if you obviously kind of um, project a certain viewpoint or project a certain opinion, then they're always going to find exact videos that they can basically just recommend to you. And you end up going down this rabbit hole of videos. And I think, I guess your viewpoint just gets enhanced even more, right? It's actually worse than that. They're, the algorithm uh, right. chooses controversial content on purpose. Oh. Because it gets your attention, it holds your attention for right, longer. Right, right. Yeah. When you mean controversial, do you mean um, like content that opposes your view? Not necessarily. So, okay, let me give you two scenarios A mm-hmm. and B. This is oversimplifying it, but, but, but yeah, yeah, I'm it. trying to we'll make a point. Yeah. <laughs> so, would you rather watch a one hour documentary, probably like from PBS mm-hmm. or like Frontline? That goes into the weeds of a very technical topic. Let's just say energy policy, right? Yeah. Would you? How how much atten- uh, What is the likely uh, likelihood that you would first open it and stay on it, and for, for the how full long? Hour? Exactly. Yeah, very unlikely, uh, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a eight-minute fiery video about, well, let's say tune on. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we actually learned about some dogs. Right? Like Which is more entertaining? Yeah. The bite, Probably obviously. The... Exactly. And it will hold your attention. Yeah. Even if you don't agree with it initially, right? Mm-hmm. You, you still, would... like, listen to it. It's entertainment, yeah. right? Exactly. You can also get fired up about it, too. But, yeah. This is, this is the problem. It's in our human nature, right? Now, I know this might be a little bit tooting my own horn, but I consider myself an outlier. How many people you know would work for both Republicans and Democrats? Not a lot. I feel like they just stick to their own viewpoint, right? Yeah. When I was in, uh, when I was a student at uh, UC San Diego, I went to both college Dems and college Republican meetings. Oh. So like a. Uh... I'm guessing colleges have their own. Oh yeah, they're yeah, they're they're chapters. Oh okay. Yes. I wanted to um, connect that with what you said in the beginning about like, <coughs> sorry, ideology versus strategy, right? Right. Um, ideology is also like very much QAnon, right? Things like. Um, yeah, it's a new. I guess you can say it's a new ideology. Yeah, like morals. I mean, what you identify as like liberal versus conservative, like your idea, a moral stance on things versus what um, strategically works. Correct. Right. Um, I see myself as a. Let's call it. I want to achieve idealistic goals, but do so in a realistic way, right? But. If all you have is fluff, right, mm-hmm. and you don't have uh, a healthy dose of realism, you'll never even achieve those lofty goals, right? So take, 
for instance, the progressive movement or the Democrats, I, you have to actually differentiate the two because the progressive yeah. wing is a different part of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. You have the establishment or the mainstream or however you want to define mm-hmm. them, right? In this dy- power dynamic, right, the establishment holds the keys to the kingdom, meaning they're the one in charge, right? Yeah, yeah with power. With power, right? Okay. Here's the thing. I've seen different analysis of this. Uh, some people have said that the Democrats are okay with government, but suck at politics. And they definitely do, right? And within the Democratic Party, within the progressive wing, I think this is pronounced even more, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing, because politics is about power, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leverage, in other yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you look at the behind the scenes uh, d- dealings, right? What you, what you saw was, I'm going to use some hyperbole, but the progressive wing uh, during the uh, Democratic primary bent the knee to Biden, basically, in different forms. So let me uh, give you, for example, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren probably you know, stayed in the race and sort of talked to the Biden and his team to let her in as Treasury Secretary. And we know from the rumor mill that she's really lobbying her way and trying to get that position. I'll tell you now, she probably won't get it. But she had to concede a lot of things to do so, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race and from a strategy standpoint, got dropped out, but without, you know, asking Biden for concessions. Right. Because his wing of party, approximately 30, 30, 30 to one third to maybe even 40% of um, the, the Democratic, Democratic party. party, right? So it's like, you have leverage. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he use it? Why wasn't there a one-to-one meeting in which he asked for certain promises? Oh. What if there was, is, does this, do these have to be highlighted? Like, What do you mean by highlighted? Like, how? I don't know. Is there a possibility he did but didn't get anything? But, okay, if that were true, why is the progressive wing up in arms today and saying, like, Biden, you are, you know, having too many corporatists in the transition team and your picks uh, for cabinet are way too corporatist? Oh, I see. You hear this in progressive media now. Mm -hmm. But some progressives, the realistic ones, the ones who are realists, right? Um, they predicted this. It's like, come on, what do you expect? You expected to, okay, you're going to play Team Democrats, right? You're basically, okay, we're going to go with you, but you didn't ask nothing for return. Once that person is in power, what leverage do you have over him or her? You're going to push yes. Biden to the left? How? <laughs> with what power? What, what leverage? If that is politics, then what do you mean by, like, uh, Democrats are okay at government? As in, if you look at the data, right? Mm-hmm. This is simple simple data. Now, I'm not saying there, there are different cases where it's not true. Like, we can get in the, in the weeds of it a bit. But generally speaking, the economy does better under a Democratic administration. But the Republicans... In, by reputation, they they get the sort of uh, advantage. Like, who's better at economy? You a lot of people say Republicans. 
uh-huh. because they're, they're business oriented. Yeah. But the economy actually does better on average, better uh, under a Democratic administration. Uh-huh. So if I were the, you know, the Democrats, I would like pound this away, right? Wait, why would you think that? But look at the data, right? Uh, they used, Obama highlighted this fact when he was running for president by pointing back at Clinton, the Clinton administration, right? Oh, so you like, have uh, like about his eight, first presidency, 2000? Yeah, for 08, right? Uh, highlight, uh, like pointing like, hey, under the Clinton administration, the U.S. economy blossomed. Yes, and culminated in the dot-com crash. But, <laughs> you know, you omit that, right? But I'm talking from a strategy standpoint, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not use it? Use everything you have. And this is what I simply don't understand from a lot of the Democratic leadership. There, there are so many, and you know, the Republicans could have used a ton of media uh, groups by the Democrats too. So it's like they both have blames in terms of strategy. Mm-hmm. So if I were, if I let's say, if you put me in total control of the Republican uh, campaigns, particularly like Trump or Biden's. And I had total full control. I would have wiped them out because I could spot the flaws. For example, I don't know if you heard of this. Um, did you saw the disastrous uh, Pelosi interview? Um, which one is? Well, that? there was, uh, you know, the well, uh, hello, hi, uh, the uh, good Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, not just that one, but the one uh, with Wolf Blitzer. That was a disaster. Is that the? Um, I don't think I that's the one. It. That's the one when Wolf Blitzer was ha- having like a tit for tat with back and forth Pelosi. with Pelosi, right? And the way Pelosi tried to respond and defend herself made her look very elitist, right? So if I, I mean, one, if I was a coach, I was like, Pelosi, please do not smile like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, right? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't. Who who is doing like the, <laughs> like the body language coaching for them? Like oh, you're right. for the Democrats. Like there was one. Remember when Kamala Harris was laughing on un, uh, uncomfortably on whether she's on a, a per- podcast, right? It was uh, I don't know, podcast, but it was very nervous laughter. I was like, oh, that, that that doesn't come off right, because. Um, she was being questioned on some reviews that she had during her primary, which was much more to the left, versus uh, now she's a vice, oh, vice president, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was like, oh. <laughs> I'm not going to, it was, it sounded really bad. Oh, because she didn't wise. really want to I'm not gonna, to this. Like, <laughs> but obviously, yeah. because yeah, she didn't want to like, and she responded, oh, uh, I am uh, going to, uh, I'm paraphrasing now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. at uh, work for policies that reflect my experience as a woman, uh, an African American, etc. Right? She says this like every time. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's her goal to play, right? Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. That's what she but was coached to do, right? But the way it was executed was inauthentic, right? I mean, if I was a Republican, it's like target that, use that, run it on a loop, just do it, put it that's on true. all the social media platforms. Put it on TV stations, but that's not the one I would. I would put Pelosi, because the one why Wolf Blitzer was like really nailing her down was Pelosi. He was saying that he saw in his neighborhood that p- people were, you know, looking for food in the trash bins. Right? 
he knows the figures of the unemployment uh, in, in terms of unemployment it's mm -hmm. bad right mm -hmm. the number the percentage of small businesses it, uh, failing is I th it, it's bad i don't know every every economic figure uh, today is almost close it's like akin to the great depression it, this was during the pandemic this interview this was right before the election oh, oh, oh okay right Mm -hmm. oh, if I was in the part of the RNC, I was like, I would have like, mm, yum, yum, yum. I'm going to use this. And because she was being asked whether it's like, please vote, allow the stimulus to bill to go mm -hmm. through Congress, right? So it should get to the desk of the president and sign, sign it. it. But she says, I don't want Trump's signature on those um, stimulus checks. Like, who cares? People are starving, right? Yeah. People have lost jobs. Just, just pass the bill. Who cares? But the reason why she didn't was she wanted to. She didn't. She wanted to as much as possible lower the chances of Trump winning the election. That's why she did. It was a political ploy. So she said that. Wait, no, what? she didn't say that. Obviously, you shouldn't oh. say that. But she was trying not to say that. But that was the political ploy. But in oh. doing so, she it, she she just totally on, I, I, played herself. I don't know if you want to edit this out. She looked like a jackass, <laughs> right? If I was yeah. in the RNC, I would have played this, and somehow attach it to Biden. Wait, no. so she uh, hold up. <laughs> Let me um, summarize. So she said this right that she did want um well actually not she said this. she was trying to not pass the stimulus bill because if she didn't then people would blame no stimulus bill on trump and no no because oh. the reason why she didn't okay first she wasn't consistent with her reason mm -hmm. for example she was saying like oh there are certain uh, programs that will not get funded and things like that. But it, then she said uh, lines that I'm paraphrasing. Oh, I don't want Trump's name to get on to the stimulus checks. Why would she say that? Because she doesn't want him to get credit for that. Because his name is on it. Yeah. It, it happened oh. for this first stimulus check. Mm -hmm. Right. That Trump. Right. Oh. So both ways, I mean... But, okay. Like, I get it if this were normal times. Mm -hmm. This is These are not normal times. Even she was asked, what difference would it make? People are starving. Just pass the bill. <laughs> Even people of her own party, like Ro Khanna, was asking Representative Khanna, was asking, please pass the bill. Forget, yeah. forget these political ploys. Just pass the bill. Yeah. Even now we have a lame duck uh, president and a lame duck Congress. Do you really think there's going to be a stimulus bill coming? No. No. Our attention still on the elections and the legality and the lawsuits yeah, and the recount. Right. I think now there are more important things. And you see the rising cases, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In about two to four weeks, you will see the death rate to reflect that, right? Because it's a uh, death. The death rate is a lagging indicator, right? You first get sick, and those people get sick, then they die. Yeah. Right. We need to do something now. Exactly. California today, 
instituted a, a curfew on purple colored right, yeah, counties. Okay. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Luckily for San Francisco County and San Mateo counties. And a lot of Bay Area. But everywhere else, pretty much most of California is in the purple. Right. And I, I expected to get even worse. So may, perhaps San, the county of San Francisco and San Mateo will join it join the purple tier wouldn't be no surprised. more going back to school <laughs> but what about businesses the gyms the restaurants it's winter they need the traffic yeah. right mm -hmm. i mean it goes into other things on, on like studying uh how people behave what actually spreads these cases right um i i don't want to go there i, I yet we can probably talk about it another time but by the time we talk about it in another podcast session oh, the <laughs> dynamics totally have changed probably yeah so this is what i mean by strategy right so it's like if you truly care about the state of the country right forget that just pass the bill policy exactly do what needs right? to be done and did it even work i mean yes biden is is president-elect by all accounts right mm -hmm. and, and officially when the electoral college meets they'll probably Vote him in. Yeah. But, like, do you think that ploy actually helped Biden win? I don't think so. What was the return on that? Did it pay off? Yeah. I'm. Just, actually, just, they're lucky that I was an advisor to the RNC because I would, like, play this <laughs> all day, all, 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 just swarm all those stations. Mm -hmm. yeah. And tell Trump to repeat that in the debate. And he made a mistake. He skipped the second debate. That that was not a Did smart he have move. COVID? No, he wanted to, but he refused to. Um, I know that. I think that was a mistake. What did he refuse to do? He refused to. It was a, he didn't debate. It was more like a town hall style thing. Yeah, because 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 at that t time Trump had COVID. It was. Was it after or before? But it was. It was it right after Trump had COVID, mm -hmm. and then Biden. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Biden refused to do it because Trump would not show a negative test. I mean, but if I was on Trump's team, I was, uh, Mr. President. You, you're the one who's behind. You need to, you know, you need to change the flow of things, mm -hmm. and a debate surface as an opportunity. I think that was not smart. So. His advisors this time in his campaign, a lot of mistakes. I mean, how could he do if Biden refused to? Just show the test. Well, if it was positive. positive. <laughs> or do it like, come on, a Zoom debate. Yeah, I don't know why yeah, they didn't honestly, do that. Yeah, honestly, honestly like, am that. I the only one that can think of these like creative solutions? That's really? Crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very surprised they... A virtual debate. Just... Yeah. Exactly. It was, I think it they, they, they thought of that, at least, but I think they did Obviously not never go went with, through the with it. Idea. But it's better than nothing. Why, I don't know. They needed to change the momentum, right? The shift in their direction. And it did shift it a little, but they really need to increase that. Mm -hmm. So do you want to see? Mm -hmm. This is why I mean like strategy. I can see it from both sides, right? And this is why I think the how the election turned out was actually the worst because it's in limbo. No side really won, right? There's not an actual like, mandate, yeah. right? Biden should have won in a landslide or Trump should have won in a landslide. 
Um, instead, instead. It's just like a few percentage of points ahead, right? Yeah, it's just like, eh. I mean, yes, by the popular vote you're talking about. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 5% and several million votes. Okay, that's not close, right? But that's not how our system works, right? Mm -hmm. And even if I were to say, okay, let's say we switched to a popular vote, right? You're talking about over 70 million million Americans that voted for Trump. And a lot of, and a good portion of that are very enthusiastic about him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's not good. You need it. To really convince the majority of the country, we need to go in this direction and fix things. Yeah. That didn't happen. Obviously not. Yeah. Basically, you need it, and you, I don't know if you learned this in your classes, like a landmark election showing oh, a shift. Oh, we, it was a, I don't think we called it a landmark. It was a critical election. Yeah, they're a different the same, yeah, cause, same idea. Yeah, because we were talking, because we learned critical election before the actual election. Mm-hmm. So lots of people in class, people were like wondering, is this going to be a critical election where you have party realignment, right? Yes, realignment. That's the, the actual political science. Term. Yeah. Um, and people, I think some people in our class were anticipating it while some people said that. Um, oh, but the media was saying blue wave, blue yeah, wave, yeah, hashtag yeah. blue wave. I know. And I was All like, this of oh. Hollywood celebrities are saying it too. I'm like, How? You need we the people to don't vote see it. it. Exactly. Nothing's happening. Yeah. And then it's not like the Democratic campaign was full of enthusiasm. <laughs> it's like reluctantly. Yeah. yeah. And especially things like Texas. A lot of uh, Hollywood celebrities, especially singers, do come from Texas for some reason. Um, it's a big state. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people, the famous phrase like uh, turn Texas blue or something like that. Um, yeah, if you look at, at the, the past, that didn't really happen. Yeah, if and people even recent history, like yeah. Beto Rorts, uh was pretty okay, was, was surprisingly close. Surprisingly close, uh, but we're talking about Ted Cruz here. If you've seen who Ted Cruz is, is like McCarthy 2.0, <laughs> and kind of worse in some other ways too. Yeah, I mean, no, because then I was like, oh, at least like did some change where like there was a. Uh, but all credit to Tetris for pulling it off. Yeah, because um, if you look at the <laughs> 2016, I was on New York Times. They have really good statistics um, for their election. So if 2016 versus 2020, the percentage of Democrats, of like Clinton voters, Trump voters, Biden voters, Trump voters, uh-huh. the percentage stayed the same. Nothing changed. Exactly. Yeah. And even the, there was some fear uh, on the conservative side that the number of people moving from states like California to Texas would change things. It didn't. Yeah. Obviously. Or it didn't. Or enough. not enough, at yeah. least. I mean, you can tell, like, Dallas. Um, <laughs> Dallas has been. Yeah, you know, and like the Conservative southern... for a long time. Yeah, or uh, not. Uh, there's a. There's... Houston, kind of, because you have the energy corridor. Yeah, there. Houston, Austin. And then at the bottom, like, the ones touching Mexico are. On the Rio blue. Grande. Yeah. Um, but, but then everything you, else. No, but the okay. thing is, there are certain counties that are surprised from Texas. We're talking about uh, counties that are ma- v- v- majority Hispanic. Like, it's one of them, was it Star County? I think it's Star County, a star mm-hmm. with two R's. 95% Hispanic, right? Biden won that county 52 to 47. That's that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. And there were other counties that reflected this. Do you know uh, by what margin that Clinton got that? I think it was like she won that county by 60 percentage points. So you're talking about a huge shift. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you would oh think, God. like, I feel like people have more, I mean, I might be wrong, affinity for Biden rather than Clinton. Because Clinton was seen as a... Uh, ally to the uh, Latino community. Yeah. Right? But I think... Grass- but the problem is the Democratic right? image. I mean, you see this in this strategy. And you see it overtly in 2016 when Chuck Schumer said, for every union... Working class vote we lose, we will gain two of them in the suburbs and for college educated. Oh, that's that's working been working out so well in the last two presidential elections. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Do do we Trump gain in almost every demographic group, right? Mm-hmm. Especially um, uh, white women. Yes, that was. Yeah, so he actually lost on white men, which is surprising. Right or uh, for those above sixty-five. Yeah. So he gained in so many, like, uh, you know, you uh, the Vietnamese community, right? Uh, so, and even in two thousand sixteen, a good portion of the Chinese community, Chinese American community, supported Trump. Like that's kind of amazing. Like, but whether you agree with it or not, or think they're stupid or not, that's the reality. Learn to deal with it. Ask yourself, why would they do that? What oh, appeals? I know. <laughs> no, but but do you understand? Yeah. Like you can't just say, okay. I mean, yes, among his rants there are actual racists, but you can't say the working class Latinos are racist against their own community, mm-hmm. right? I the, mean, it, I saw I, I see pundits on MSNBC like Anna Navarro just like like you're not helping, right? <laughs> Basically, they're going to commit to their same strategy and learn nothing. Yeah. Trump what, got 56% of the union vote in Ohio. That's ridiculous. They're lo- the Democrats are losing the union vote, the working class vote. This is, and you have to understand, there's only so much you can do from a strategy standpoint by winning the college vote. Not everyone in America has a college degree. Mm-hmm. I think it's off the top of my head. Correct me. I'll turn myself if I'm wrong later. About a third of the adults are have a college degree. Yes. And you're not getting that full third either. Exactly. Because yeah, not mathematically, that, is that is that is that, is that wise? Is that a wise no. strategy? This is what I mean. Forget forget like the ideology. What is with this strategy? <laughs> exactly. We're just appealing to one third of the population. Even if we get everyone, that's not even going to work in your favor. Exactly. At the end of the day. It's just the math. So, like, why are you this pursuing this strategy? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, know, I know I don't want to say it now that this is an uh, item for another discussion. Yeah. But there are inherent reasons why they're pursuing this. And they overlooked, you know, the soundness of their strategy. The Democrats. Mm. So that's the thing. Um, if all these factions and parties actually, you know, were ruthless in their execution, oh, they would have changed the landscape of America. Totally. Right? You know, using principles of rhetoric, politics, knowing the levers of government, how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're focused on, like, the you know, the circus act of, you know, election fraud right now. Even though if I were to manipulate elections, it wouldn't be mail-in ballots. There are easier ways to manipulate an election. Why would I do it through there? Right? Why not manipulate before? 
Like, for example, purging the voter rolls. Done. And it has happened before. No one said anything then. I mean, mail-in ballots have right. been part of how uh, a lot of state governments, how certain states vote. And then the U.S. military uses mail-in ballots. So if I was on the other side, I would use this. Like, So you're telling me for the past elections, the U.S. military votes by mail-in ballot. You're telling, you're telling me they're invalid, Mr. Trump? <laughs> no, I would do it like that. Really? Am I the only one here that, that cannot see that opening? I think... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strategy. I mean, it was like... Um, you know, The Daily Show has a segment um, by Jordan Klepper, I forgot what it's called, where he goes to the rallies. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I, but they uh, do it from... They're trying to paint them and make, paint them as make, clowns. Yeah, make yeah, fun of them. But, but there was one part where I... Actually... When I'm editing this, if I may be wrong, that Trump himself has access to mail-in ballots as well. Like, well, he, he did vote that way. Yeah, he voted mail-in ballot, and I think a lot of his supporters, or at least, um, not a lot, sorry, um, the supporters that Jordan Klepper at least interviewed were unaware that Trump used mail-in, mail-in ballots, ballots and were instead saying that mail-in ballots are bad. So why not educate them? If you're the Democratic Party and Just you are the like uh, channel at MSNBC, stop speaking to your own crowd. Talk, Talk to, to the other one. Yeah. Talk to them. And this is, and I mean, this might be a good segue of education, mm-hmm. which is also a lack of sound strategy, right? Um, well, I'm in the educational business. Let's just say if America had a better, just better, not the best, a better educational system, I probably had le- would have a less business right yeah you're not wrong <laughs> right so we like let's dig into some of the dynamics and reasons for this i mean there's a lot to talk about just like in politics we can have hours of discussion education too but let's start from a very specific stand uh, um, specific aspect so it's the peak of college admissions season Everyone is like, oh my god, college essays, right? And people do struggle with this, right? Yes. I want to ask you two, why do you think students struggle? You've, you know, been through the public or some people private school system from K to 12. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be that bad. You guys have... I mean, it's... Or or is that the right way to characterize it? I'm not sure. I think it's just their... I think people have... Well, two things, I think. When you're talking about how to, I mean, for personally, first with like the mysteriousness of what college admissions is. Mm-hmm. So from like, if you want to talk from like. An, um, are, you, are you saying that there are some external factors too? I think there's mainly <clears throat> two factors for me. Okay. The ones you just mentioned. Um, I don't think school really teaches us how to, not I wouldn't say elevate ourselves, but kind of project ourselves in the best mannerism possible. Cause Okay, so let's break it down, right? Uh-huh. To specific skills or right. concepts that you should learn. Right? Yeah. So what do you think are the necessary skills to do this well, to pull it off? To write essays that, in your words, show the best of yourself, to elevate yourself. Mm-hmm. What are those skills? What are those concepts? 
I mean, you'd have writing classes. <laughs> I know both of you took AP English, so it should be like easy peasy, lemon squeezy, but it's not. Yes. It's a ta- it's a it's a struggle, right? One is that we don't have a lot of experience in creative writing because yes. I do yeah. think college admissions is creative writing, but of course you also have other writing skills that can be built. Well, so what other, other? So it's creative writing, but there's another. Category it falls under too. It's um, called rhetoric. Uh, that too, but you learn rhetoric in AP. But yeah. we don't Lando. really know yeah. how to write rhetoric. Okay. We know how to we analyze, analyze rhetoric, rhetoric, and we, we can write about it. Maybe, okay. That's yeah. the thing. Okay, uh, we're getting closer. We're breaking it down. What about writing a story? Oh yeah. You read stories. How about we, writing stories? Like never written them except like in elementary school. school. So or maybe if, middle school. I remember I took a class. So there. if I ask yeah. you. Recall the most recent time for a school assignment, hopefully for English, school assignment. that you were, that you had to write a story. Write a story? Yeah. Do we count broadcasting? Huh? I don't think. Oh, um, that's not a real that's story. That's not a real story. Um, <laughs> it's like creative writing, right? No, story. You have to write a narrative. Oh, oh narrative. Oh, okay. That's a whole no, different narrative thing. Narrative story. Yeah. I think the last time I wrote a narrative is freshman year so four years ago basically yeah do you remember an earlier time remember in a late uh, like more recent oh yeah uh, do you remember a more recent time no i can't think of one right now just i think i can't even remember freshman year freshman I think... year we wrote a lot of the oh narratives. wait we did yeah yeah probably but that's four years year. ago yeah, yeah. and then the wow. next one's probably eighth grade but that's because yeah so it's kind of like it. sporadic and way in the past right yeah. it's like we used it's just like if you're uh you mm-hmm. want to be get better, better at golf right let's say there's a story it's just it's a generic story you draw like a friend of yours golfs, right comes back complains about the golf store right mm-hmm. and then you ask him or her how often you play golf a few times a year I you should have no complaints because that's why you suck at it mm-hmm. the same thing happens when if you want to develop skills right it should be no wonder that students struggle to do narrative and creative writing if they don't work at it at school. This is literally what's happening right now. Yeah. So what we discovered together is that school doesn't teach the whole gamut of skills you need at life, right? Because storytelling is, well, how you get a job, yeah. how you network, right? Even if, let's say, you that those a lot of those elements you learn also are part of argumentative writing right what mm-hmm. do you want to argue your point through narrative and that's why political campaigns are losing like the 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 magical element storytelling uh-huh. see listen we were supposed to do the <laughs> argumentative essay but covid hit but i feel like even, even if we so did what mean that you're supposed to do the argument so essay? by the time in March, we were getting into because AP English Lang does include argumentative essay, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be. But that was yeah, like that's part of the curriculum. End of yeah, but we did not get to that. But okay, even yeah. if you did get to that, do you think that would? I mean, yes, in truth, it might have it, it, it would contribute yeah. to helping, but you're still not like working on. Well, it wouldn't have helped writing as much a story. As, yeah, that's true. I think that's what a lot of like, um, a lot of how our education. It's like we learn stuff right say we learn creative writing from say like grades uh like we we learn everything in increments but never anything continuously you know it's like 
here we learn creative writing. Next few years we learn like analysis or like um, right. uh, like yeah analytical yeah, it's, it's, writing. It's, it's isolated. I, yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. isolated. And I remember that's what um you know, you know Common Core right? Of course. Yeah. Yes. I think Common Core was introduced to us seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Your seventh grade. Yeah, my seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So. And I remember, I was very confused. I was like, what in the world is this? I hate this. <laughs> but the but purpose, even before that, I mean, you would have to be you yeah, know, going I, through high school yeah. before that too. Like, I can speak from my own education. Uh-huh. Some of the things that I teach my students, right? I learned by myself. I, no one taught me. Or I had to learn from other sources, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe a mentor or a teacher taught me outside the the realm of school, right? I, I consider myself lucky, right? But let's say for the vast majority of people, do they have access to that? You don't get that? that. You don't get yeah. it, right? So it's just like, they're, they're, it's more than a travesty because it's affecting the development of not just the community, but the country. So it affects everything from of course, the economy, yes. the technology, creative solutions, and also ethical ways to manage tech. But well, that's another story. But even things like national security. If I was you know, in charge, let's say you made me Secretary of Defense, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of educating the top officers, especially our flag officers, so those are like any, anyone with a one star, so a general or admiral, right? Do you know what I would make them do? for training to sort of uh, create a thinking, I would have them be coached by magicians. And you must be like, what is, what, what are you smoking, Samson? <laughs> Military magicians. What on earth are you talking about? I mean, there's like deception, right? That point Sleight of hand. Oh. Yeah. Dude, Manipulation. Like magic is behavior. like so cool. <laughs> right? Seeing past the appearance. Because what is strategy at that level? When you're managing things at just from a strategic standpoint, right? Yeah. Life and Hiding death. your intentions. Oh. <laughs> Fought a war, right? Yeah. You don't want the enemy to know what you're doing. Otherwise you die. Exactly. And your 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 men die. Yeah. That's the you thing. You fail, basically, and that's not fun. Why not learn from magicians? Oh, that'd be so cool. Right? See, but this is very unorthodox. Mm-hmm. Or even like Learn from, and akin to that, it's like learn from performers like circus, circus performers. Why not? They have it's a lot like to the teach. the same element that they're using. It's putting on a performance. Yeah, it's just applying it to a different situation. Yeah. That's it. So that sort of thinking should be part of our education system. Unfortunately, it is not. Yeah. Right? Because we are so rigid. We're still, we're following the Prussian model. Back in the 19th century. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and the university is even worse. The university model is following the medieval model of lecture. Lecture was originally done because books were rare. And the lecturer would read from the book. And you oh. copy Ew. at the pew. Now, of course, we don't do that now. But instead, it's even worse. <laughs> no, but now it's even worse. Think about it. Now it's even worse. Because before, you had no distractions. You lived a mantra lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now we have your laptop, you have oh, your phone bothering yes. you, you have the PowerPoint, which is not the best way to oh, really it's present. So stupid. Right? 
So it's actually worse than a medieval model. <laughs> if you think about it that way, right? Yeah. What's going on? Why are we doing education like this? Even ideas like, in speaking of colleges, um, we have call, what we call reader classes, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure older members um, and uh, older listeners, uh, audience members, would you know, shiver at <laughs> organic chemistry or multivariate statistics because those classes are purposely made ridiculously hard with punishing curves to weed you out. Oh, right. Oh. They're intended to put pressure. A lot of pressure. Painful. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm thinking of lectures, right? Couldn't like this professor give a script to someone and just say, hey, say this, do this, and then at the end, I'll be here to answer questions. What's the point of a professor being Exactly. There? If you do the exact same thing, you follow the exact same model, it's literally the PowerPoint is laid out for you. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people don't go to class. Exactly. because They sleep in. Yeah. Yes! So they could learn it from the textbook. Yeah, they can watch it. Now, it's now also recorded the universe. too. Exactly. Well, obviously now, you have to watch it. No, but, you, oh, but the no, thing is, like, what, what's the difference between being there in person and versus just watching it at home? <laughs> at home. Nothing happened. There's no difference. So it's th the same lesson. If you listen to some of the, the discussion, um, COVID, because everything is shifting to distance learning, remote mm -hmm. learning, yeah, whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call it, it's sort of like exposing the, 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 the flaws of the, both the higher education system and, of course, K through 12. Yeah. And this I, is kind of why I like 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 COVID in a way in a way. Okay. So you I don't like COVID. You, you acknowledge one of its benefits because it offers an opportunity, right? If I was the dictator, the king, the emperor, whatever, Great. right? In March, April, because everything shut down, you know what I've done? I would have gone on an infrastructure building spree because no one's driving. Okay, just build, 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 build. They did some. I saw Caltrans doing some, like on the Bay Bridge and things like that, on the 101 North, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, we need more because um, uh, the, the infrastructure in the United States, uh, I believe this, it's the Society of Engineers. I forgot the exact name organization. I should know off the top of my head. But they gave it a D plus. <laughs> and they said we need $2 billion plus uh, uh, of... of Infrastructure spending to make it reasonable. Infrastructure two trillion dollars. Um, Why not pass stimulus in this form, and then when jobs, when when right? when the when the economy goes back to normal, things like delivery, doing commerce, run smoothly, right? Dude, the American economy would skyrocket. Flourish. But we're not. Things like that. If I was. The emperor of the education system, which that's not how it happens, because we live in a federal system, so all the states get to do, do their, you know, what they wish. Mm -hmm. I would use the opportunity to reset and restructure, reform specifically. Because, yeah. like, when um, COVID <clears throat> hit, um, our school system is very different than what we have now. Of course, was just here's homework. Oh God! Do it. You mean busy work? Yes. Yeah, because um, they Pickles? didn't allow class time. It was just the yeah. assignment. Because the, um, the best the teacher could do was assign like 
a video like they made their own video and they said like they oh and they still had trouble with that too (laughs) yeah and then they he was like watch it like finish this homework right because i mean obviously you can't guarantee you like it was very hard for them to I mean, also based on there, they can't have make sure everyone has Wi-Fi. Everyone has the right place to right. You need an infrastructure learn. for that. Yeah. yeah, and they couldn't get it in the first few weeks. Right. Yeah. Um. But I mean, then right, if we were doing it, they could have actually just taken the time to do something. Well, else. there were certain ideas in certain niches popping up. Uh, the ideas of like micro school. I don't know if you heard of that, but you have these pods of oh. small groups of kids. To lower the sort of, you know, spread or the rate of spread. Yeah. Right? And I mean, I, like in, in my own tutoring business, like I kind of had to step in too for teaching some of the technical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think on average, I, because I'm outside the system, adjusted better to the change than, of course, the system has, right? On mm-hmm. average. And why is that? Well, of course, I mean, yes. You're I'm oversimplifying, <laughs> but I have more flexibility, a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Theirs is rigid. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm one person, right? But if you look at the tutoring industry, well, some parts of the tutoring industry, uh, we have adjusted better than, than, than them, right? So certain yeah. tutoring companies and individuals have adjusted better, right? But even so, business is not like as it was before, but you mm-hmm. got to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. But the system is not made to be adjustable. It's a very rigid one, right? Like, for example, this happens in San Francisco, it happens in San Mateo. Why on earth do you need to have written permission to take more than three APs? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Why yeah. is this still a thing? I don't, I think I'm they, sure. I know, I, actually, I know it. the answer to that, but. Was that not a thing when you were in school? Of course it was a thing, oh, oh. but it was just paperwork because we were alone yeah, and we same. were special. Oh, oh, I think ours is also paperwork. When but uh, yeah, usually but it's now, paperwork. But, but COVID now, now they're actually enforcing it. Yeah, yeah. they like capped it. Why? Completely. Because they a lot of people didn't do well. So whose fault is that? The school. <laughs> the, is it just the school? The thing is, I'm not mm-hmm. just saying pointing fingers, administrators, teachers, students, uh-huh. because it's not helpful to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we still need to identify the reasons why the passing rate for um, the AP exams weren't because that's what and you would want that as a school because mm-hmm. you get more money. Exactly. Yeah. If you have high so that the, so the, so if you think about it, they would they want people to take AP exams. They want the funding, right? Mm-hmm. Why not? Well, well, if they fail, it's kind of embarrassing, right? Yes. Um. But why not? Like, why not have students, more students, take more APs and get more funding for the school? Because and they will be happy for administrators and teachers, and maybe their pay gets pumped up. In fact, their pay is tied to it. Yeah, because yeah. the AP teachers get paid more than right regular teachers, CP teachers. So um, what's the issue? Why, why is there a problem? So I, you get A's in, in in your school classes, but do you get a three or two on the AP exam? I mean, there's great inflation. Uh, yeah, That's the issue. Pretty... It's not reflective. Yeah. Uh, That's what I mean. It's like what you learn, and we were just talking about this for your college admissions essay. What you learn at school in your class is not reflective AP exam because you have to meet certain standards. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you don't meet those standards, of course, you're not going to pass the exam. Forget a four or five. I'll admit to you, um, 
for a lot of my, my own AP exams, I took AP exams on my own. I didn't take any class. Like AP oh, World yeah, History. Yeah, yeah. I just walked in and took it. Yeah, I remember. You and me. I got a five. How did I do that? Because you learned on your own? Yes, right? But the thing is, the the way I learned on my own, of course, is like, oh, you know, I'm intrinsically interested in world history. Yes. Like history buff, right? But what does that say about why can't other people do that? Maybe they don't have to be as like passionate about history, but why can't the school system take some of the elements? I'm not saying carbon copy. Take some of the elements and use it. Change the format. Change the dynamics. Experiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you lose? Because the, the benefit is more funding. You want that. Yes. Okay? So why not do what you can to pursue it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the most I can think of is that they... Obviously, of course, they do want, like... They, they don't want no funding or less funding, right? But I think it's just, like, how much effort you're going to put in. Like, like you said, right? They're a big system that's not meant to be changed. So if they want to, right, they'd have to try super-duper hard. Why, why do they have to try super-duper hard? Because the system itself is... And I'm saying this also from a philosophical standpoint. I mean, in, yeah. in my own uh, tutoring practice, it's like, why do you see it as hard? Is it actually hard? I mean, they're painting it as hard. But is it actually hard? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. I mean, if what you, makes I'm it hard? I'm guessing, like, if you if... execute it the correct way, it will be fine. But what makes just... it hard? Would you agree on this? Sometimes people, individuals, this is an individual scale. I'm not yes. talking about the collective scale. They make it hard on themselves. I mean, yeah. Can that also happen on the collective, on the group scale? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's the same phenomenon here? Probably. Probably. I mean, well, why are we still in this COVID mess? <laughs> that is true. We could have done something, but and, I, and actually, a lot has to be like I want to. I want to do. I know we're running out of time, but there's a leadership aspect too, and mm-hmm. like that is missing really from our schools. Teaching leadership. Oh, and empathy, right? So I mean, these are sort of like, well, that's kind of weird to teach. That's more like a family it's or religious like value. No, it, it's it's skill. it's a life skill, right? Empathy, knowing others, right? Yeah. Being able to uh, be in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Right? What's one of the ways you learn that? Literature. Literature. Actually, uh, truly uh-huh. understanding literature, right? Why not have more emphasis on theater, on acting? So becoming that character. Why, not, why is that not part of um, the curriculum when you're learning AP Lit or something like that, right? When we teach, when, when you learn Shakespeare, it was... The, the format is, it's uh, supposed to be a, it's a script, right? Yes. He's a playwright. Yeah. Why not act it out? Isn't that one of the better ways to learn it? I mean, we kind of did. Instead of reading it, you act it. We kind of did, but obviously I don't think it was executed as well as I thought. I like, think we did well pretty it... well, Claire. <laughs> uh, yeah, but not everyone had the acting out part, right? Yeah. Or I mean, even if you yeah. do, it's like. I mean, we were. It's so like. Would, I don't know. I, I might be assuming here, but from my experience yeah. at low, it was paying lip service to it. You're not really acting it out. Like yeah. the whole. Did we really act out? Like, forget the whole play, whether it's like Merchant of Venice or whatnot, right? 
One scene? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we had a little cauldron. We practiced our song. <laughs> but that's not really understanding the character and developing the character. Scene. It's like a few lines per person. And then yeah, are you yeah. studying the literature behind it? No. The culture, the people of oh. the time? No. Not really. The lifestyle even? A little bit, maybe. So you know the context to why you're acting that way? No. Yeah, you're, yeah never mind. We didn't get any of that. Then why, why teach Shakespeare? That's why people are <laughs> snorefest for <laughs> literature, I mean, snorefest for history. Even if I go through all the phobias in education, right? So just briefly, I'm not good at math, right? Are you saying that as you or like? No, you? no, in general, like I'm oh, describing like all the different types. Like oh. I'm not good at math because I was never a math person, uh -huh. and you know numbers don't make sense to me. Um, really, numbers don't make sense to you? It's just that's not true, right? Then also it's like oh history is so boring. But then when you watch shows like mm, let me think of a Netflix one, the uh, like the let's crown. say the the Crown, Queen's Gambit, Queen, yeah. uh, that's fictional. That's not oh. those characters, but it's based off. Based off true, fiction, true, right? uh, like real chess player's life, uh, Bobby Fischer. Yeah. Um, when you watch those, you're like, oh my god, right? Is, is there was a there was a parody in which I forgot which show, but they were teaching the was it The Simpsons or someone else? Someone else. The Simpsons. Uh, they they were teaching uh, Game of Thrones, like the history of Game of Thrones, uh -huh. and everyone's like, shh, shh. The teacher's talking. <laughs> Right? Everyone's enthralled by it. Yeah. Because they're genuinely like, Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why don't we do that for history? Does it oh. make it... I don't, is it because they make it boring? Or like, I don't know. I always... The okay. Way. Take notes. Yeah. That's your assignment. That's take more notes. That's your assignment. <laughs> Read this chapter. That's our gov teacher. <laughs> what does that accomplish? Nothing. I mean, I guess they're pounding... They're trying to pound information in our head, but like... Yeah, but you've seen from not, my practice... It's right. obviously not like, the best I way. can regurgitate some of those things, right? I didn't broke memorize it. Because I treat it like, oh my god, that's my favorite scene. Right? Because a lot of times history is stranger than fiction. Right? Some of the things are like, what? That actually happened? That's crazy. <laughs> like, here's a crazy fact. Like, if you read the historical records of the Mongolian Empire and how they expanded, their enemies always thought they uh, the Mongolians were like, truly outnumbered them. In but reality, the Mongolians were always outnumbered, but they made it seem like they were hordes of horsemen. They conquered a world with about the same number, or maybe even less, of number of employees that Walmart has, Walmart has right now. Imagine if all the Walmart... <laughs> become like a like piece of horsemen. It just... <laughs> Right? But it made it seem like they were more. Isn't that crazy? That's fascinating. They yeah. always won battles when they were outnumbered. Just like through intimidation? Psychological warfare, intimidation, deception. Like that's why I say magicians. Because it made it seem they were, they, they were a larger force. They were not. Spying, scouting, understanding the culture of the place. They did a lot of that. Even they, they, they had a spy relationship with Venice. Did you know that? Oh, Right? So it's like, we won't harm Venice, but give, feed us information about uh, the Europeans so we could hammer them. Oh. Yeah. That's so smart. Like networking right? too. Like some of their strategies, and this happened. Like, how come they don't give like crazy stories like this? And this is why, and 
bless his heart, um, my AP Euro uh, teacher, Mr. Granucci, he recently passed away. Um, but I remember stories he told about AP Euro, like Mussolini going bare-chested and wrestling a lion, but as propaganda. But the thing is that you found out, it was like, what? And he did a very <laughs> detailed way describing every visceral, you know, how he took off his shirt and stuff like that. Because it was propaganda. It was well, reported. Of course. And the way he told his story, storytelling is part of education. It's history. You were telling I was like, stories. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he twisted. Oh, uh, they drew the line beforehand. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. This is too outlandish. Mussolini wrestled a lion and won. They drugged the lion. I think it was a lion. Or was it a bear? Right? Either way, it's... Yeah, but this is why it's like, that's ridiculous. You think Trump is boisterous? about <laughs> this guy? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. This is what I mean. It's like, why not teach it this way? I don't understand. It's so much more fun. Plus, we probably remember it better because it sticks out in our head. Right? Like, like yeah. it's like, oh, how wow, do you forget this? How do you forget this? And the same thing you could do it for math. And you might wonder, but math is math. No, the stories behind math are amazing. Or even the way, like, why not teach math in a way in which you learn to divide, like the mathematicians did when they discovered those concepts, mm-hmm. intuitively, logically, walking through, right? How do you forget that? Maybe teach it through the lens of the history of math. How humans have developed math to this point in time. Mm -hmm. Right? Or looking at math from different ways, right? Like, obviously, geometry and algebra. Why we teach these separate? I mean, yes, you would need some separation. But at the same time, like, the Pythagorean theorem has a geometric... Proof mm-hmm. for it, right? Yeah. But it has, but it also has algebraic. Yeah. yeah, bring them together, teach both. Cool. But why you use why you use like you learn it in, in geometry, geometry and, and then, then algebra, and then we're like, uh, okay, right? it's the same thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. What do you want? <laughs> and then to make it I mean, just as a performative act, you know, if you see the diff of it of the sort of the water in in a square, and you just shake it, and then it matches. Oh, oh, yeah. Then it's like, oh, now you have a visual of it. Now too. you know what it yeah. looks like. Because a lot of the, I mean, when I learned in calc, there were many applications. Mm-hmm. There were. When I learned in math, there were many applications. I showed pictures of like, I thought it was pretty cool, like an elevator going up, people going up an elevator, down an elevator at like what rate or like. At like a specific time, how many people were on the elevator? Oh yeah, you can experiment. So it's like, yeah. what's the rate of this escalator? Yeah. And then just try. And it. I was like, like oh, I thought that was really cool. Like I've never thought of like how can <laughs> like if you told me in the beginning I could calculate that I would be like, ah, uh, what? And this seems like magic, but. No, yeah, math should be magic. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I feel nice like story. it's you have to get to a certain level to be like for me. Who who should be at some level? Student or teacher? The student for me. But why not have teachers walk you through, hold you on the journey through it? Yeah, so like that's what I'm saying. Like in my experience, I had to be at that level to be able to actually see math in a way that was applicable, right? Because before, like there were some like, oh, you know, man, they like in say geometry, they'd be like, oh, like imagine like this whole like random the. He's a pyramid, right? I was like, oh, that's kind of boring. <laughs> Wait, why? Because I was like, I, I, I never it got wasn't. That. 
Oh, it, but why would it be born? These pyramids are wonder of the no, ancient world. No, like kind of just look appearance. the the appearance, right? It wasn't something that like okay. Made me I, what I do instead? Yeah. Maybe not the these the pyramids, but you, like build a miniature stair. Why would that work? Because that's you literally have to. Uh, so it's uh, like I give you the if I'm like a contractor or you're the own owner and you're the contractor mm-hmm. I want uh, the base to be this in height but I don't know this calculate for me oh and then yeah actually we build used it. to have I remember we used to have like, so do woodworking like as part of math yeah. <gasps> they tried to have like physical things remember in 7th grade I they, don't think that worked very that well was, <laughs> that was just, they brought like, little colorful blocks like uh, for example it should be um Pre-calc or what is it also called? Algebra 2. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn uh, probability, combinations, things like that. Oh, yes, statistics. Teach blackjack. Oh, yeah. Oh. Why, why not? so much more fun. Yeah, I've, I don't know why. why. <laughs> it was like counting cards and those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have to And it's based on anyway. like, what like, people actually have done exactly. and still are doing. Why not? Exactly. It's not like it's something completely new. So this is why, like, I mean, yes, there are abstract maps. That's true, which doesn't have application. But that's very far off and, like, you have to be high level. Yeah. Although you could still handle it even if you're young, if your mind is for that. But there's so, so many applica- so much applications for you, the math you learn at school. school. I don't... But, but the thing is, it requires effort. Yeah. <laughs> it does require effort in a certain type of person to do it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not making a judgment on any particular teachers, but ask yourself how many teachers make the effort to do this. I mean, I think. They and how many are encouraged by ministers to do it as well? Oh, I don't know. So if you imagine me at your high school. Just imagine what would happen if within the first month, uh, not during COVID, but in the first month. What do you think would happen? I don't. I think people. Do you think even parents would like that? No, they're probably complaining about you all day. So like, <laughs> they don't even understand what I'm doing. Yeah, they'd be like, "Why? Why? Are like, why are you teaching, teaching them how to gamble?" Yeah. I'll be like, "Life is a gamble. Learn statistics, but you, but it's like you don't gamble. You invest. You make the right moves." Um. And that's why, <laughs> parents, <laughs> your 401k is down to two. <clears throat> I think our administration is not very... But that's what I mean. It's like, uh, it's also like, the mindset of adult thoughts, yeah. which is weird because I'm an adult. But it's like, it's not like teaching statistics, right? Mm-hmm. And I sent a video on the, you know, the financial, financial applications of statistics, right? It's, a lot of things are very counterintuitive. And that's what math is, right? Because it's needs to get around our biases, right? Mm-hmm. It is possible for you to experience an unlikely event, right? And it's possible for you to experience um, a lack of success, even though that was highly probable. Mm-hmm. Both are possible. Yeah. And if you experience it, what? how do you react? A professional, like a professional poker player will be like, okay, I'll let it go, right? That's called bad beat. But I'll still make the same move next time to go all in um, if I have ace king or 
pop the aces or a pretty high one at the beginning, uh -huh. pre-flop or just after flop, because the chances are usually in your favor. Usually from May statistical the odds be in your favor. <laughs> yes. Um, but the regular person would be like, oh, I'm never going to play that move again. Right. But then you're going to lose over the next 10, 100 times. Because like, statistically, it makes sense. If you think about it like, like that. But how many people stop they and don't. think about it like that? <laughs> and don't. then have the emotional training. That's also right. part of it. Yeah. To get over it. Yeah. That's why I mean a lot. That's like how behavior works though, right? Yeah. But like, if that's what I call bad beat. Sometimes you can't win all the time. So yeah. you might get a bad score, bad test. Let it go. It's not the end of the world, right? <laughs> that's what teachers keep telling us about what? our grades. But I, I know that that's the teacher. Okay. But then what are the actions? They're like, oh, yeah. They make, they make, like, they, they okay. make tests like ridiculous, like yeah. <laughs> opaque, arbitrary, exactly. lack of feedback. It's not even. I like know this because uh, I have students who complain about it all the time. F from Sonoma County, San Mateo, even international schools. Right? And you think they have the money too. Right? So it's like, okay, you don't judge on what they say, you judge on what, what they, they do. do. And that's the same thing, whether it was the administrators, the parents, doesn't matter, and yourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the conundrum of not just education, but our human society going forward. If we want to <laughs> get to the actual stage one in the Tardashev scale, right, which is interstellar travel, right? So we, don't, we cannot survive as a human species. <laughs> we yes. cannot be burdened by this sort of thing. I wouldn't even say thinking, values. Mm. So it's not even thinking more. Principles? Principles, values. Right. We need to basically let go of our shackles ourselves, both as individuals and as, as, as a collective society. Whether you're talking about the small community here in the neighborhood, to country, to global level. Right? I, from my analysis, there's only a few countries in the world that really education system is quite balanced and also gets the results, right? Let's say Singapore, right? Really good, but have you seen their kids? They're stressed out like crazy. Yes. Right? And there's Steven, still, I mean, yes, they have, they have a lot of uh, startup hub there. It's pretty good. But there's a lot of complaints about creativity. Mm. Like this is a problem with uh, the East Asian. Uh, not to say they don't have patents and things like that, but... What about things that are revolutionary, mm -hmm. right? Like something revolutionary is inventing atomic bomb, oh. right? That yeah. is starting a nuclear age. Yes. So what new invention will start a new age? Like the internet. True. Uh, so we have the digital, the internet, the information age, right? But we've been in that age for quite a bit. Speaking of technology, I mean, like ask yourselves, has our technology really improved? Think about it. Yes, you have For your one. smartphones and whatnot and your laptops. And of course, we have podcasts, right? Yeah. But the technology that's based on this and yes, oh. transistors in you know, terms of Moore's laws, in terms of, you know, at the nanometer, how much, you know, you can put. Yes, it's improved a lot, but we're hitting the limit of those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need to now so much you can find something else like quantum computing and things like that. But we're, that's in the experimental stage. It's nowhere close to commercial, right? Has technology really changed? 
in the what past 10 20 years like electrical vehicles evs right the hot thing now oh. uh do you know we had electrical vehicles back in the 20th century even the early 20th century oh really yeah go do your research this is what i mean Girl, we haven't done anything <laughs> right think about planes today in the sky mm-hmm. jet planes you think that let me ask you compared to a jet liner back in the 1970s 80s compared to today which is faster now or back then like regular airplanes we fly yeah which you can fly i can fly oh. i don't know they were the older one because they had less because ours a, is much bigger it's not that it's about fuel consumption and efficiency mm. because this is a science they should t- teach in terms of principles i mean i'm a car nut so i kind of know sort of the principles uh-huh. if you want more power you have more air, more fuel. Basic. I mean, that's the easy way. Of course, there are ways to increase your thermal efficiency and things like that. But generally speaking, keeping all others constant, mm-hmm. the easy way is to air and fuel. In, more fuel, more air, more boom. Now, jet engines don't operate the same way as the internal combustion engine, right? Mm-hmm. But it has a lot of similar properties. And it's more complicated too. Mm-hmm. So... That hasn't changed. What else? I mean, in terms of making a phone call, is it still based off of radio waves? Yes. Yes, we're going to. <laughs> we're still going, but we're now going to five G. But everyone's saying five G is going to be revolutionary. <laughs> oh my God! All right, we cannot have China beat us in this. Okay. Uh, have you tested five G? No. What are the actual physics of it? Like the Verizon's it's millimeter the, wave, right? It's the same thing. What do you mean it's the same thing? Is it like the same? Um... No, it's even worse. <laughs> it's worse. It's worse than LTE because it has physical limitations. Millimeter wave cannot penetrate through mass. So it feels an oh! open space of air, like an oh, uh, open. It will, it will travel further, but it still has limitations. True. So if you see from a map of Verizon or T-Mobile, but specifically from Verizon, where they have it and where it can use it, and you get the signal. It's very specific places, or it's very open. dense urban places. And even you walk down half a block, so away from the street corner, you lose it, the signal. Oh, that's so bad. Why would they put it out if it's so bad? They should wait until they do it well. But, okay, even how would you do it well when you have to beat physics? In order, I mean, you're talking about penetrating mass. Anything that has, like, stuff, right? It'll pass through mass. It can't. Physically so you would have to put what 50 transmitters on a block and no. it might not even pass through no. it's good for if you have an open large warehouse in which there's no mass and your robots but can catch the signal we don't have that right? here <laughs> so unless they figure out a way to get around this visit problem right uh-huh. i don't know what can achieve so it's like okay I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't have the potential. It does, but you have to get. Oh, you have this problem is hard. Just it like be revolutionary to yeah. have a solution. Yeah, but there no. isn't one. <laughs> That's the problem. There isn't one. So, I mean, yes, if they want the, I get it. They want the infrastructure in place. These telecom communication companies and the big governments, right? So when they find a solution, they can implement it and now transform their societies. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get a strategy, but you don't have a solution. But you don't. You're literally combating physics. You're literally combating physics. The same thing. I mean, for, if you could find one, fantastic. But it doesn't mean you Kudos. don't try. But yeah. why not put the money in R and D? 
like give it more time to give it more time to mature yeah <laughs> until it's ready for prime time right so that's like what's the oopla about and all these phone companies like apple's like we are first gen- 5g <laughs> phones please buy exactly and everyone's like yes i mean what they have i'm not saying apple is not revolutionary company there are some things they have like their chipset in their a14 and their m1 oh definitely really good miles better right Mm -hmm. okay market that not the other i know they still market that but but not as this one 5g thing this this this, 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 right so i mean the thing is what back to education Mm -hmm. does the average consumer know about this do you think high schoolers even in the bay area where Headquarter in Tupertino. No, we don't this? think about this stuff. No. Why don't they teach that? You're literally right there. It's like false marketing. Take little field trips. I mean, why don't they teach we you should. that? And they, 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 why don't they come to you as like, maybe we can solve it. Let me teach you some of the things so maybe you can see something I don't. Why don't they do that? Yeah, we should take field trips. Why don't they do that? There are actual problems that companies that would make more companies they're in, in their interest why not and some companies are actually figuring out this like google and others it's like hmm maybe we should just train the students ourselves and that's why they have their certificate program and they're building it right mm-hmm. that's what i mean it's just a different way of doing things and doing things in a liberating way and i would just like to end that sort of conversation here education so we need to change the way we think and do about it so mm-hmm. we can liberate ourselves. Because I think that's honestly, from a philosophical standpoint, uh, like living. I think we're, while we're living, we're always in search of liberation. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would end it there. Wow. <laughs> no words. <laughs> I mean, I think personally... I, I mean, a lot of the things you talk about are systematic and larger than what um, one person can do. What right? just one person can do right now, at least. But I think what you said, even if you didn't explicitly say it, does apply to. Well, you'd apply these my, values to yeah, yourself. Yeah, individual. Yeah, like, this sounds cheesy, but you can yeah. liberate yourself first. <laughs> before you liberate others. It's like the, you know, the, uh, I mean, save yourself before you save others. Yeah. Sorry, that was just. That, oh, and, and, and the, what, on. The airplanes. They do that they, too. Yes. It's like, uh, secure your own <laughs> oxygen before you're helping yeah. a kid or someone But else. you know, usually parents would help their kids before they help themselves, I feel like. Yeah. yeah but is that, oh, speaking of strategy, is that the wise thing to do? I don't know. Would it be? Cause okay, well, let's say you're, you're in the military, right? Yeah. Let's say you failed a mission, and you failed a mission to concentrate, and you try to save your buddy, right? Oh, oh, oh. But your mission is critical to national security. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Well, then then that, kinda... that's a different scenario. <laughs> I know, but I, 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 I know it sounds dramatically different, but yeah. if you can't help yourself, not only will you kill yourself, you'll kill the kid too, because the kid doesn't know what to do either. Mm. Maybe he's a baby. <laughs> he true. or she is a baby. That's crazy. Secure yourself first and then help your child, right? Yeah, plus it shouldn't take long. too long. I don't, I don't know. know. It shouldn't. I mean, it's yeah. just a reminder. Like, yeah. don't do, do the stupid thing and then black out, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the yeah. whole point. 
yeah. I mean, why go through the training? Why have those guidelines? You don't think it didn't happen before? That is true. <laughs> well, we'll end our、um, guest edition here. On、Thank、flying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On advice for flying. Okay. <laughs> Follow the guidelines.、Um, thank you, Samson, for coming on to this podcast. I quite, I quite enjoyed it. We did too. Well, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week, and have a good Sunday. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>